The first reading comes from 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not, lo does not know God because God is love. The second reading is from Psalm 8. Listen to what the Spirit has to say to us today. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. And we pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this invitation to come and ponder the works of your hand, the love that you have created through each one of us, through this world. We pray that we may be inspired to live by that grace, by that blessing, by that knowledge that you are present in each part of who we are. And so help us to live out of that vision, to embrace it, to celebrate it, and to share it with the world. For we pray this in the way of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thinking of the image of God and thinking of being created in the image of God it's one of those foundational pieces for our faith and kind of like what I shared with Stella about uh, the story of creation. Being created in the image of God is one of the core beliefs uh, for Christians. And so we come today pondering what the eye pearl means for each of us. And as I was thinking about this, a rabbi uh, by the name of Mark Gelman wrote a response. He has a column in the, any of you take the Buffalo News, it was in the Buffalo News, uh, but this gets published around different places. And so uh, he has a column that is about faith. So people write him questions of faith, and he responds. And this, this, so this is the question. It's about human suffering. And so this person wrote, uh, I don't understand how people can talk about a loving God and all the other positive descriptions that are given. When I was born, it was with multiple birth defects, which have led to me being ridiculed, laughed at, and all the not so nice things humans 
do and say to each other. I have been told repeatedly by my church friends who have invited me to their churches, God loves you, really, I say. What kind of father, your word, not mine, does this, uh, does this to his child? I have suffered physically and emotionally for the things my father gave me. I am told to be thankful for what I have. Thankful is not what I feel, nor will I ever. I have never gone to their churches as I feel this would be hypocritical. So what is your answer to someone like me? So what do you imagine? How would you respond if you were Rabbi Gelman writing to someone asking the question of suffering? By the way, any of you have faced this question with, maybe yourself have asked this question of suffering. Why, why do I have to suffer this way? No? For one thing, it feels like it's heresy. I know for, as a child, you learn, oh, don't, don't question God, because that sounds like disrespect. It's like if you questioned your parents, how was the response usually? Good? No, not good, not good, not in my household. It was like you don't question authority. That's the whole point, is that if, if mom and dad said something needed to happen that way, even though you may not have believed the same way, you followed. And so the same thing would be to ask questions of God. There's that sense that we're questioning God's authority. But I love this column because it's always questions of, of deep faith. I, I often think people who don't ask questions are the ones that really have no faith, but the people that ask questions are really the ones who are struggling or are trying to grow. So this is the response. He says, I'm sorry for your pain, and I write not to convince you of anything, but only to tell you that I'm sorry that you feel that your burdens have so far exceeded your blessings. I could have tried to explain away what you feel in an attempt to save the belief of a loving God, but I believe that this loving God, whom you cannot yet love, is more than capable of surviving your rage and patiently waiting for you to find God. Let me tell you how I, how I have handled my own birth defect. And then he goes to tell him about his experience of uh, being born with a sunken chest and then having surgery and then having a major scar and the struggle as a child uh, of other ch children ridiculing him and so learning to cover up and, and feel the shame of that. And then he says, I know that my scar may seem like a minor burden, easily hidden and not grave in any way, but it was very grave for me. I faced the choice you face now. I could have used my scar to justify my anger against God or fate or the world or everyone. I chose instead to understand my scar not, not as a gift that's too positive, but as an opportunity. My scar was an opportunity to hang on to the goodness of my life and to give thanks for the good that my scar had enabled me to do with my life. I am not alone, and you need not be alone in choosing to surmount your challenges. And then he goes on to quote Helen Keller. He says that she said about her, this about her blindness. I thank God for my handicaps, for though, through them I have found myself, my work, and my God. 
then he talks about his friend, my friend Hank Viscardi, who helped enact the Americans with Disabilities Act and was severely handicapped, was seemingly always happy. I asked him how he did, not, he did it, and he said to me, you know, Mark, nobody is really disabled. It's just that some people are momentarily abled. We often grow more in spiritual depth as the result of our burdens than we do from our blessings. People with scars are more interesting than people without them. Your anger is understandable, but your anger is also a choice. Whoever told you that the only possible proof of God's loving nature would be for God to give you a body, a life, a soul without defects of any kind. God never promised anyone a perfect life. Any of us here have a perfect life? Raise your hand if you have a perfect life. And he says, God's promise is that God will accompany us through our imperfections. And that's really the, the message here. That's the ultimate promise of a loving pa parent. And that is the ultimate promise of a loving God. You must know the famous story of another angry person who blames God. He dreams of seeing two sets of footprints on a beach, but then after his trauma, only one set of footprints. He cries out to God, when I needed you most, you abandoned me. God replies, when you needed me most, I was carrying you. And so the rabbi says, I pray that you might try, just try to let God carry you for a while. Then at the end of the beach, you can get down and walk on your own, grateful for your blessings, thankful for your scars, and ready to be loved. Powerful response, deep but so true of faith and life. And that is the message for us today. When we think about our own lives, when we think about who we are with all the history, with all the traumas, with all the losses, all the challenges we each have faced in our lives, each of us could probably recount all kinds of different stories and challenges. But each of us is endowed with this beautiful sense of the presence of God in our lives. We just have to be open to it, to trust in that goodness to see that image of God reflected in each one of us and to think that it's not just when, when life is going well. I mean, that's, that's the big challenge of faith is that, yes, I am a child of God and I'm reflecting God's image, especially in those times when life is very tough and challenging and not so good and maybe I've made bad choices or poor choices or I was forced to make certain choices, yet the image of God cannot be taken away from us. Each of us will reflect that, and that's the message of Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is a, a psalm of praise. How majestic is your name in all of creation? And, and looking at God and addressing God directly, which is unique in, if to uh, this one psalm, saying, proclaiming the faith of the people of Israel, saying, that God is always with us and that God's creation is majestic, knowing that God's creation is always groaning and still struggling to find that fulfillment, that we're, it's not perfect, it's not always well, and if we look at the world today, we can't say that all is well with the world. We can't say that all of God's children are treating each other very well. We see the brokenness, we see it, whether it's an illness or cruelty 
or struggles. We see all of that. And so was the psalmist seeing all of that, yet at the same time seeing deeper than what could be seen with the eyes, seeing through the eyes of faith that the goodness of God was still present in humanity, in the earth, in all of creation. And one not, is not allowed to think of themselves as separate from God. And that's a really, that's a very powerful biblical mandate, if you will. When you think of yourself, when, when you look at the eye pearl and you're holding it or you're just thinking about yourself, what comes to your mind first? And be honest, don't, of course, if it's too deep, don't share, but, but normally, what comes to your mind? Yes, Carol. I'm going to give you. Here. I know you'd want me to share this. Is this on? Yes, yes, it's on. I know um, I've been praying for quite a while now. I am anticipating some challenges this coming year, and I've been praying for a sign from God. Mm -hmm. Just, just, I hear other people get these signs. Just please give me a sign that you are with me. Mm -hmm. I just want that depth that I see with Rula and, and a lot of the people that I'm close with, that they have that unconditional belief. Well, I got On it good this days. morning. On good days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't blow my image up. You yes. um, I got it today. The organ bells. <laughs> I was praying the prayer, and I heard the organ bells. So I'm... That's it. I have no idea. That See, really and a, was, and that a faulty was thing with the, with the organ could be a no, sign. No, it you was know? for me. It was for you. That's right. Thank you. That's right. Oh, great. Roxy, does that make you feel better? <laughs> God uses all kinds of things to remind us. But to pay attention, to think, you know, when you look and think about yourself, what does this image of God feel or look like in your life? What does that mean for you? Yes, Beth. I think my instinct when I first look in the mirror or whatever, you criticize. Everything you see, oh, where did that line come from? And oh, I guess you put on a few pounds or, you know, whatever it is, it's always a negative, at least, mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's the way it is for me. But then I remember that, that God is within me or that I'm in the image of God and it makes me take it easy on myself and not be so self-critical and I need to do that. That's a, it's a thing I've been working on for many years, but um, it helps me remember that um, that I am loved, that I am worthy, that I am lovable good as I am. You know? Yes. Um, so, yeah. Very challenging concept of faith. When we think about being lovable, what comes to your mind? You have to be good. You have to be accomplished, or by the standards of the world. But really, in in God's eyes. You are lovable. You are God's creation. I mean, think about when you, have, you see a baby and you look at the baby and you always have that sense or you look at a puppy or a kitten. What comes to your mind when you look at that new life? Perfect. Perfect. You feel unconditional love. You don't 
sit there and think, well, if the ears were just a little bit different or, you know, actually sometimes the little things that are quirky about your puppy or your, your grandson or your granddaughter or your own child, you look at them and you, see, you feel more love because of those little things that make them unique. And I think that's the hard part for us to accept that gift of unconditional love, that God looks at us that way. And that if we really, if you doubt, if you have those moments of doubt, and by the way, Carol, I do have them often. It's not, you know, yes, of course. What am I going to stand up here and, and do group therapy, tell you all my struggles? <laughs> Sometimes I do, but most of the time, you know, I'm here to share with you uh, lessons of faith that I've learned. And it's always easy to reflect back on an experience where you failed and then God has given you grace. But in, in daily life, there are many times when I fall short or I don't really see the full picture or sometimes I don't really see where God is leading me even through a tough time. But the point of this is that God loves us unconditionally. And if we doubt those times, and those times come no matter what, if you doubt, look at God's creation. Check out the handiwork of God all over all around you. Look at the people in your life. I think some of them are challenging, no doubt, but there are so many people in your life that are just amazing and phenomenal. And I bet each one of you here could name at least 10 people that just are so fabulous that you wouldn't imagine the world without them. And so, see there, Carol is hugging the two men on her side. And think about that. I mean, without, the, without these two in your life, and each of us have these incredible people in our lives, so to think of this gift of life, to give praise to God, is, is to really um, work against the narrative of the culture that is always telling us we're not enough, we're not good enough, that there isn't enough love in our lives or there are not enough experiences or somehow, you know, life is just not complete. When in this very moment, at this time, all you need is here for you when you think about it. And that's every moment of your life. If you really pay attention, if you really embrace the presence of God in the present moment, God provides for you. And that's the invitation, that's the challenge. What are human beings that you take notice of them? Who are we? Who are we? Yet the answer comes, the answer of faith, is that you have made us in your own image. You have crowned us. You made us just a little lower than yourself. And that's the gift, that's the challenge of faith. In the first service, I showed a video, I wish I could show it to you, but it's about the process of an oyster uh, producing a pearl. And uh, this is from Australia, and they show you how, and if so you look, look it up, it's on Nat Geo, and uh, it's on YouTube. And the, the idea they show you is that this oyster has to breathe, so it has to open and get water in. And as a result, some element, some, uh, some trigger would come in, which they don't really know, it could be a virus that gets in and it kind of triggers the secretion of some elements in the, in the oyster that produce over the years, over a period of 40 years or so, this pearl. 
that happens. To be incredibly beautiful and incredibly resilient as a mechanism to uh, defend the life of the oyster against uh, the parasite or the intrusion. And to think of that as an image for your life, and especially as we're thinking of uh, the, the eye pearl and thinking of the process, the long process, and the whole openness of the oyster to life. Now, if, if this, not all oysters, of course, uh, get to have pearls in, inside them. According to this video, it takes about ten, one in every 10,000 you could find uh, that kind of pearl in it. So it's, it's a unique process that happens only to certain kinds and only a, sh a small number. So to think about that process of, as, a, as a metaphor for your life and all these years of little things aggravating you, of little things chiseling away at who you are in terms of the outer shell, in order for your real true self to come through, for the light of God to shine through each one of you. So I invite you at this time, or I'm going to read for you from the book. This is just a short excerpt from the book, The, Pearl, uh, the Pearls of Life. And um, we've been using it as helping us as a guide. So this is the part about the eye pearl. So take a deep breath and think about your life. You're the image of God in and through you. We cannot totally let go of ourselves, but we can understand our lives as something greater than ourselves. That's kind of the message of Psalm 8. This pearl urges us to open up our innermost room to remember that we are created in God's image. The eye pearl is placed next to the God pearl, separated by silence, to remind us that humans were created in the image of God. Like a grain of sand holds the promise of a pearl, each and every human being holds great potential. What stops us from being what we want to be are the things that happen in life. Some people are more confident than others. Others too often get stuck in negative thoughts. The eye pearl is about our true selves and who we are beyond roles, demands, and expectations. It is about seeing ourselves from God's perspective as loved and treasured children. So hold this week, hold this eye pearl and imagine your inner self, your inner being, the most beautiful version of, your, of yourself that you've ever imagined. And affirm, say to yourself, I am lovable, I am longed for, I am loved. I am a drop in God's sea that reflects the sky. Amen. <laughs>